When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys today. You can follow us on Twitter at Amber W Sports, at Nick Friedel. You can also join the conversation on the CC call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We are just one hour. Nick, from the Major League Baseball trade deadline, we know that there have been some big names that have been dealt. Of course, no bigger name than Juan Soto. Joey Gallo also was dealt today. Shohei Otani seems like he's going to be staying. He is not going anywhere, it appears. Wilson Contreras is still a name that's out there. He's been linked to a lot of Tampa Bay Rays uh, rumors. He's probably the biggest name left right now before this trade deadline. So we will continue to keep you updated on all things Major League Baseball. Trade deadline is again, we are less than an hour away from the actual deadline. But we have been reacting to a whole multitude of breaking news across the world of sports, particularly the NFL. It has been sealing the show over the last few days, and I don't mean from training camp. There's all sorts of, <laughs> sorts of other breaking news in the NFL. Today, the breaking news we got involved my Miami Dolphins, where the result of a six-month-long investigation into the Miami Dolphins results in the NFL notifying the Dolphins earlier today that the team is going to be stripped of its 2023 first-round pick, amongst other disciplinary measures for violations of league policies relating to the integrity of the game. The NFL says that the Miami Dolphins, they didn't tank, which was some of the allegations we know that Brian Flores had levied against the team in his lawsuit that was filed, but they did in fact tamper apparently with both Sean Payton and Tom Brady. The plan was actually to have Tom Brady as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins and Sean Payton as the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And then it seems like Brian Flores filed his lawsuit, lit the match, threw it behind him, waiting to exhale style, walked out of the building, blew the whole thing up there near Hard Rock Stadium uh, in South Florida. And so the result of which is that the Dolphins get punished and Tom Brady and Sean Payton don't. I, I think it's interesting, the Tom Brady angle of this, Nick. I haven't gotten to discuss this with you yet. Tom Brady, it appears, was in discussions with the Miami Dolphins leading back to 2019 when he was actually a New England Patriot. So that's how long this relationship goes back. And we know he has a very close relationship to both Stephen Ross their Michigan connections, and Bruce Beal, who is the owner-in-waiting for the Miami Dolphins one day. He's very close to apparently both of those guys, and because of that, he's been in discussions for years about becoming the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, and now the Dolphins are hit heavily for having those conversations. Nothing happens to him flirting with another team within Bill Belichick's own division, by the way. It's stunning to think the domino effect that occurred, Amber, because of all the different moves that didn't happen in Miami <laughs> that they were trying to make. As a Bucks fan, I'm just happy that Brady remains in Tampa, but to think that all of those different things were always going on 
and the Dolphins landed with nothing <laughs> and then lose those two picks. I, I know you're hurting as a fan, but if you're uh, if you're in that organization, you've got to feel like you almost pulled off one of the best quarterback coach switcheroos that that has ever been, and then it just imploded right in front of them. So uh, if you're the Dolphins today, uh, there are a lot of different things that that would stand out, but. Uh, I know that you've been thinking about it since it went down. To me, it just throws that much more pressure on Tua to be the guy that I know a lot of people in Miami are already wondering if he can ever be to begin with. The Dolphins fan in me keeps thinking, oh my God, what if, right? I mean, apparently this was real, and apparently we were close to actually having Tom Brady and actually having Sean Payton. And I know I should denounce this, and I know that teams shouldn't break league rules. I get it, okay? We should all follow the rules, but... But nobody really does. Tom Brady. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know if people normally... I don't know if teams are out here breaking them to this degree. I mean, even Adam Schefter had tweeted out that this is the first time in NFL history that it appears a team has, you know, tampered with a future Hall of Fame quarterback and future Hall of Fame coach. So there's that. Uh, Allow my Miami Dolphins to lead the way, be trailblazers in that regard. And then, of course, I'm sure it's incredibly amusing if you're a fan of another team because it's not like they accomplished that. We were talking about Jalen Brunson earlier, how the New York Knicks right now are being investigated for tampering with Jalen Brunson. It's one thing to be investigated when you get your guy. It's a whole nother thing when you don't actually pull it off and then you still lose a first round draft pick and you are dead on. That was their insurance plan for Tua Tungavaloa, where I've always said they did everything to retain those two first rounders in 2023. I haven't heard a lot of people mention that. They still have one first rounder yep. in 2023, which is going to be their saving grace now, but they don't have their own. They don't have the Dolphins first rounder. I believe it's the 49ers is the other first rounder they have. So they did everything they could to retain two first rounders in 23 so they could trade up and draft a, you know, CJ Stroud or whatever, if they needed to, if Tua after three years doesn't pan out. And I think they thought that's the perfect amount of time to actually know what you have at the helm in that quarterback position. Now it's going to be much more difficult for them to address that quarterback position in the draft. Not impossible. Cause again, they still have a first rounder, but I mean, who knows how high it's going to be. Amber, what kills me about the whole thing, even listening through it, during the day, like any true multi-multi-multi-millionaire, Tom Brady always had a bunch of deals lined up in a lot of different places. <laughs> no kidding. This man's flirting with everybody. This, this man's out here flirting with the Miami Dolphins, all right? Apparently even, I mean, I don't know what it says about his relationship with Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Yeah. He is quite literally planning to go to the Miami Dolphins, reportedly, that many years ago that it was a possibility that he could have gone to the Miami Dolphins back that again, Leaving Bill and going to a team within the division. I mean, talk about uh, just a, you know, bleep you essentially to the franchise there of the New England Patriots. So there's that component of this story. And then there's the component where Tom Brady is also ends up with the Bucks, right? And then he's still flirting, apparently, with the Dolphins this whole time. And can he become an owner player? And he's building a house in Miami. And so I'm going to do this fake retirement that kind of seems like a fake retirement, kind of seems like Sean. Peyton fake retired now because of this whole story. So there's that angle of this as well. And then, of course, Tom goes and get inks the deal with Fox for the crazy television. He's just out deals with everybody. Then he goes back to the Bucks. And now he's playing with the. Now poor Bruce Arians is out because. 
<laughs> seemingly so because Tom decides to come back and play half of his fake retirement. Unbelievable, really, what Tom Brady, frankly, has done here. And there's zero ramifications for Tom Brady. Well, zero. And, and that's the thing is that he's he's almost above it all. The only time that Tom got popped for any of this stuff was Deflategate. But every other time, no matter what was going on behind the scenes, Tom Brady found a way to come out the best for Tom Brady. <laughs> and Tom once Brady again, defeats. Once again. Here once we again, are. Tom Brady is, is the big winner. Defeats everyone, including Father Time. So Tom Brady comes out of this totally unscathed. <laughs> the NFL has said that there will be no punishment against Tom Brady. And and typically that's true with tampering. The player is not the one punished, right? Players can, can tamper with other players. It's on the organization not to do so. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance, a triple threat of protection with home, auto, and more. Visit progressive.com coming up next we are going to continue this conversation surrounding the miami dolphins there are so many angles to this thing this is canty and carlin passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. We have been discussing the situation with the Miami Dolphins. The NFL has dropped the hammer on the Miami Dolphins. It was the breaking news today out of the NFL that the team would be stripped of its 2023 first-round pick amongst a bunch of other disciplinary measures. Fines for Bruce Veal, who's the Dolphins' vice chairman, limited partner. He's the owner-in-waiting, uh, succeeding Stephen Ross one day when Stephen Ross sells the team. Stephen Ross was fined a million and a half bucks. Neither of those guys can be around the team for a while, can't participate in league meetings, all sorts of things. And then there's another draft pick thrown in there as well, a 2024 third-round selection. All of this comes from the fact that the league found after a six-month-long investigation that the Miami Dolphins had tampered. Give us a call. Tell us what you think about the fact that the Dolphins apparently almost had Tom Brady and Sean Payton. They apparently were tampering to try to acquire both of those guys. Give us a call. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Nick, though, the NFL did find that they tampered. They did not find that the Miami Dolphins intentionally lost games. So they didn't tank. They tampered. Now, the language is a little confusing to some people because they said that Stephen Ross did prioritize draft positioning. But apparently he didn't actually pay the coach to tank or tell anybody to lose games on purpose. Now, that 2019 season was a very weird season for the Miami Dolphins. They still lost 11 games. They did plenty of losing in that season, but apparently they weren't doing it on purpose, Nick. Amber, if you're Brian Flores and you see the statements that came out from Stephen Ross, from the NFL, 
Do you feel exonerated in that regard regarding the tanking aspect of it? Or or do you feel like uh, the the NFL did not do right by you on this specific instance? Well, I actually think that this result probably hurts him in terms of his lawsuit because Brian Flores, you know, had the allegation that Stephen Ross had offered to pay him $100,000 for each loss. And the NFL, in its investigation anyways, has found that not to be true. They couldn't find any cooperation there. They couldn't find any direct evidence that that existed. Uh, they said if it if it did happen, it was in jest. It was just a passing joke that nobody took it seriously. That there was no sort of exchange of funds. That there was no actual uh, idea that the team was actually being told to tank. Now, the Dolphins did do some things that season. They traded away a bunch of really good players, right? And they also mm-hmm. traded away Ryan Tannehill. They traded away a bunch of good players in that season. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, Laramie Tunsil, Kenyon Drake. Those were all trades during that 2019 season. So they got worse from that perspective. But that's not tanking, right? That's not telling your coaching staff to throw games. And that's where tanking would have occurred. And the NFL couldn't find the actual tanking. Now, that season, they started off that season, if I remember correctly, like 0-7, and and then they turned things around and won the next five games, I believe it was, that season. Uh, They had brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick, a veteran, to play quarterback. They didn't just rely on Josh Rosen, who they had brought in that season as well. So there were some things, I think, that uh, make it, at least as a Dolphins fan, I didn't feel like they were purposely losing. I got to be honest with you. I, I know what the allegations are. They're from Flores. But... With that season, as a Dolphins fan, we were frustrated because if we had lost more, Joe Burrow would be at the helm, not Tua Tungabaloa, okay? Now, I know it was the whole tank for Tua hashtag, but let's not forget Tua was the fifth overall picked, not the first. Well, and, and Amber, that, <laughs> there are so many different ramifications of, of what occurred in the last couple of years, but the most interesting thing to me and what has gotten buried a little bit, in my opinion, after the news of the Brady Payton potential partnership in Miami, is Brian Flores is now present and future in the league, and you are uniquely qualified to answer this. Not only because you're a Dolphins fan and you live down there in Florida, but because of your law background and all the things that Flores' suit entails and and comes with, but I really liked from a distance the way Brian Flores coached the Dolphins. I thought he had the respect of the group when you read about how the players responded to him. But because of this uh, finding from the league, do you think that this now impacts Flores' potential future at getting another head coaching job in the next few years? Well, don't forget, he is with the Steelers, right? He's a linebacker's coach for the Steelers. We know how this league works. I mean, typically, you kind of find yourself back in the coaching circuit. You work your way back up. We've seen it with Josh McDaniels. We've seen it with a bunch of, you know, these guys. But we've never seen it with a coach who has sued the league. We haven't seen it in that situation, uh, but... I do think that there will be some sort of resolution as well to his lawsuit here at some point. You're right. It's pending. It certainly made the interview process when he was in the coaching carousel. And we know what happened there with the Texans and then 
than him extending his lawsuit to include them. So there was a lot that went into the Brian Flores lawsuit, and it's still out there pending. And and there's a lot of hoops to jump through if I'm going to break down the Flores lawsuit from a legal perspective. Even just getting class certification, I think, is going to be frankly, very, very difficult, if not impossible. So I, you know, I think there are some, some issues with his lawsuit, uh, but it's still pending. And so we assume that at some point here, there will be some sort of resolution moving forward. It's been real quiet on the Flores lawsuit front, but he is coaching in the NFL, not at the level he certainly, I would imagine wants to be, and probably not at the level he deserves to be, because a lot of people feel like you did about Brian Flores' tenure with the Miami Dolphins, that maybe he deserved better, that he did have success there. And, and certainly that team did improve over the course of the three years that was there. The counter argument to that would be that uh, Stephen Ross as an owner tends to give his coaches three years. Uh, and that tends to be what the shelf life is as a coach for the Miami Dolphins uh, if it doesn't result in playoff wins. And it didn't result in any postseason success under Flores. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out moving forward. What we do know is that it appears, Nick, from the news today, that Flores took a match, threw behind him, and blew up the whole thing, right? He blew up their opportunity. <laughs> oh, yes. With the filing of his lawsuit, he certainly blew up the Dolphins' plans, which just seemingly the Dolphins' plans were Tom Brady and Sean Payton. And so they completely pivoted, and they have Tua, and they have Mike McDaniel. Jeff Darlington, ESPN's NFL reporter, was on SportsCenter at noon, and he discussed, though, the tanking allegations against the Miami Dolphins and what this means that the NFL didn't find tanking for the Dolphins. There was wording within the ruling that Steve Ross was having conversations about prioritizing draft positions over win-loss record. Right. That is true and certainly something that, that merited the punishment that the NFL handed down. I just want to clarify, when I say that he wasn't found, when, when he was exonerated about something, it was the fact that they found no evidence and no witness contended that he offered the $100,000 per game. Right. Had, he, right. had that right. been found out to be true, that was a career-crippling situation where potential ownership would have had to be taken away. So that's the only delineation right. I'm trying to make here is that this was something that could have been massively severe, and at least in that regard, it was not. Still pretty severe, uh, but man, I, as again, as Nick, as a Dolphins fan, I mean, it's just like I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, so the allegations were – that they tanked. Apparently they didn't tank. If they did actually try to tank, which again, the NFL found that they didn't, but if they did try to tank, like they did such a bad job of it. Cause again, it was Joe Burrow that they, could, that they could have had if they had lost more games that season. And then they apparently the, the tampering, I mean, they could have had Tom Brady and Sean. Pa I mean, it's just so dolphins. This whole thing is just so dolphins that they just end up with all these allegations and all this trouble. And none of it actually comes to fruition or, results in any sort of postseason success it's amazing well if you're the dolphins you just have to tamper harder next time <laughs> but that's the lesson here kids just tamper harder next time do a yeah, better and, job and, and take a little bit harder too but I, that is that is an important delineation that darlington mentioned because if you're steven ross and the dolphins if that had come out that the league had found that steven ross was trying to pay brian flores to absolutely lose games you are not ever running away from that there probably is going to have to be an ownership change because you can't disrespect the shield and get that kind of trust back from your fan base in this case it is a lot easier to deal with a fine and the loss of draft picks uh, as as big as they are rather than having to potentially move off of your team as a whole 
So coming up next, we are going to get to your phone calls. Give us a call, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Also, wait until you hear what Tony Busby had to say about Sue L. Robinson's report and the NFL's investigation into Deshaun Watson. But first, this word from FanDuel. Start the second half of the baseball season the right way and turn K's into cash, big hits into big wins, all with FanDuel Sportsbook right now. New customers, step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Just sign up using promo code PLAY. Place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in match bets if you don't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code PLAY to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. bucks. 21 21- Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. Give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-888. 729-3776. We have been talking a lot about all the breaking news across the NFL. And of course, yesterday's huge breaking news in the NFL was the suspension of Deshaun Watson. Sue L. Robinson, we finally got her decision. A six-game suspension, no fine for Deshaun Watson. Her 16-page opinion was released and We all went through it with a fine-tooth comb, but there was one person who had an interesting reaction after he read her opinion, and that is the attorney who represents the alleged victims against Deshaun Watson, the at one time 25 women who had filed civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, alleging sexual misconduct and sexual assault. Tony Busby, he was on first take, and he reacted to Sue L. Robinson's report. Despite the judge saying that uh, the, the NFL interviewed 12 of my clients. They only interviewed 10. We made more available. They chose not to interview them. Uh, and then they only presented four. Uh, I was not surprised that the ju- based on what I know about the evidence that the, the judge made the findings that she made. I, I do wonder why more, um, more uh, victims were not put forward. I do wonder why the NFL did not interview more of my clients or accept some of the information that, that I had available to them. So I thought that sound from Tony Busby was really interesting. Now, whenever you listen to a lawyer talk, and I can say this as a lawyer, remember, the lawyer's job is to have an agenda, Nick Friedel, and he was hired by the women. And so he is going to be advocating on behalf of his clients. And that means when he's in front of a microphone as well, and not just in a court. That's just how it works, right? And so Tony Busby is out here and he's out here with a purpose and he's taking issue at the NFL and his statements that he made on first take. But I did think it was interesting when he pointed out the investigation into the NFL, how there were more willing women willing to participate in the investigation than in than the NFL actually spoke to. And I don't really know how to 
decipher that discrepancy when you're talking about the actual NFL investigators. He mentioned the four women who testified at the disciplinary hearing. I could see a couple reasons for that. One being, which a lot of people floated around, one being that the NFL wanted to sort of streamline its case where you have a limited amount of time, you're trying to get a hearing done in three days, so you can't possibly bring in all alleged, you know, 25 or 30 if we take the Texan settlements victims and in order to testify that thing would go on for weeks and weeks and weeks and that's not how this NFL process works so you sort of take the four strongest cases and you have them go ahead and testify testify at the disciplinary hearing that's explanation number one I also think it's interesting that there were 24 pending civil actions 20 of them settled immediately before the disciplinary hearing it kind of leads me to just guesstimate in my own opinion that maybe an NDA was part of those settlements and so that's another reason those women could not have testified at the hearing against Deshaun Watson at the disciplinary hearing I haven't heard anybody else float that around I just sort of think that the numbers work when we discuss this what do you make of Tony Busby's comments well the first question I would have not only for Tony Busby but Amber with your law background, why not, if you're the NFL, talk to more people? That part I just don't understand on a basic level. You have all these different accusations. Everybody may have a similar story, but everybody's story is their own. So why not go through and get as much information as you possibly can? So that is the question, and I don't have a good answer for that question in terms of the NFL investigators. Now, the investigators, as I understand it, who handled this investigation are former prosecutors, and they're wildly experienced in handling, according to – this was actually in Sue L. Robinson's report as well, that the that the pros, former prosecutors who handled the investigation were very, very experienced in handling investigations into allegations of sexual misconduct and sexual assault. I don't have any reason to believe that the investigators don't know what they're doing, but I also can't answer that question question for you because it's hard for me to imagine. Maybe it's because they reviewed the civil actions and they decided that some of them just weren't worth their time in terms of investigating. Maybe it's because they didn't feel like they needed to talk to every alleged victim that they just wanted to talk to the ones that they felt like had the most evidence or had the strongest case or whatnot. I don't know if they all were willing to participate also in the NFL investigation. Certainly Tony Busby just suggested that more of his clients were willing to than the NFL actually decided to discuss I or discuss the matters with and, and, and to uh, interview. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that that is strange. I also think it's strange that in Sue L. Robinson's report, it, sa- it notes that the investigators spoke to 12 and Tony Busby there is saying that actually they only spoke to 10. I don't really have a way to sort of cross that bridge other than total and complete conjecture. I, I do think in terms of the hearing, it doesn't seem as crazy to me that they only had four cases that they presented. That seems to make more sense to me than the actual investigation because the NFL investigation seemingly could have taken however long it needed to take. Well, and that's the part I think the the NFL is having an issue with in that you can't discuss all aspects of a case, but Amber, the NFL has had a transparency problem. Mm -hmm. And when people are asking all these different questions after a ruling has been handed down, you just wonder if they could have been clear with the general public about exactly what transpired.
The NFL certainly has had a transparency problem. I think it's really interesting that this opinion, that this report from Sue L. Robinson was released. I actually do wonder because they were transparent here in that regard. And I do wonder if that leads to a problem about the fact that we don't get that transparency when it comes to the Daniel Snyder investigation and mm-hmm. the result there. I do think that that could come back to bite the NFL. So you don't want to be too transparent over here because then all of a sudden it looks real bad for a House committee that's investigating you over there with zero transparency coming up next we will let you react to this give us a call triple eight say espn plus we're only 20 minutes away from the major league baseball trade deadline but the biggest deal in baseball history according to one of our own is already done that's next this is canty and carlin on espn radio Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Taking your calls, give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. James is in North Carolina. James, what do you have for us on Deshaun Watson? Hey, Amber. Um, You know, with Judge Robinson's decision, you know, where she noted it on precedence, you know, I feel like the league has to appeal this because if it doesn't, is it not setting a new precedent for future misconduct? So absolutely, the Sue L. Robinson decision sets precedent. And if they don't appeal this, then in my opinion, what they're indicating, Nick, in part is that we are committed to this idea of this independent decision maker under the new CBA. And it's the first time that we've seen this independent decision maker be relied upon to make this sort of decision, which was supposed to kind of change things moving forward. From the NFL's perspective, one of the advantages of an independent decision maker and standing by her decision is that the heat is off Roger Goodell, which is the whole reason that the league agreed to bring in an independent arbitrator to begin with to make this decision, right? Because everybody was so tired of Roger Goodell. I mean, the owners were tired of Roger Goodell taking all the heat. And so they're like, hey, let's go ahead and agree to have this outside party come in and make this decision. And of course, the NFL PA loved that idea as well. So it sets a precedent, which might be one of the reasons, frankly, that they wouldn't appeal. But Also, she was basing her decision on past precedent. So in terms of the actual six-game suspension, it's not really new precedent because she was following old precedent. If you're the NFL, Amber, aside from the PR of having to deal with this for a much longer term and having to be in the news cycle for even longer, what is the drawback in appealing? Well, again, there's that portion, right, where you're kind of taking a flamethrower to the new process uh, where people will just say, oh, actually, the new process is the old process because Goodell still has the ultimate say. So things really haven't changed. So there's that. And the onus will still fall on Roger Goodell. I think from a timing perspective, it's not as big of a deal because, yes, it'll stay in the news cycle a little bit longer. But I think you'd have a decision within a couple of weeks. The NFL has until Thursday to appeal this thing. It goes pretty darn quickly. They've got three days. Then then uh, the, uh, the PA would have two days, I think, to submit an answer. And so the process would go rather quickly. The problem with it is if they levy, levy some sort of punishment 
in an appeals process that's drastically different than what Sue L. Robinson levied, then you're talking about the NFLPA immediately running to federal court. Now we're talking about months, and now we're kicking the can down the road. And it, what's interesting there is does Deshaun Watson even want that to happen? Because now you're talking about trying to get an injunction so that he can play. And let's look at the first half of the Browns' schedule versus the second half of the Browns' schedule. And I do wonder, from a football perspective, if that's part of Watson's consideration. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports. At Nick Friedel. You can also give us a call. We'll get back to your phone calls. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We are 12 minutes away. 12 minutes away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. But the Padres, they already made breaking moves, acquiring Juan Soto from the Nationals. We had Eduardo Perez on earlier who explained why the Nationals made this deal. To be able to trade Juan Soto and get him for not one, not two, but three postseason runs, potential postseason runs, is huge. I think that's the big impact. Uh, we've seen major trades happen in the past with uh, Miguel Cabrera going from the Marlins to the Tigers. It's still at a young age. But Juan Soto right now, definitely the biggest trade that I know of in a long time. And the impact in West Coast baseball is going to be hit in a major way because of the length and the depth of that lineup. So it's never fun, Nick Friedel, to trade away a f- probably a future Hall of Famer, right? And Juan Soto and a player at 23 years old who is that caliber of player. But once he turned down that $440 million extension, it kind of felt like the Nationals had to make this deal, even though everybody seems to exit that franchise or a lot of big names have come through that franchise. Their farm system was regarded as one of the thinnest in Major League Baseball. This is certainly the way to try to revamp things for the Nationals. Amber, on a broader note, on top of the reset in Washington and San Diego going for it all. I give the Padres so much credit for making the moves that back up a team that's actually trying to win. Because in pro sports, especially in the middle and now trying to get out of the pandemic, in Major League Baseball especially, there were teams that went, oh, no, we've lost too much money. We can't make these moves to try and win games right now because we aren't on the same financial plane that we were before the pandemic began. Here you are in San Diego, and in the course of the last three, four years, they repeatedly have backed up trying to win with spending the money that it takes to win. And if if I'm a fan of a lot of other teams in Major League Baseball, and I grew up as a diehard Cubs fan, And you got Tom Ricketts saying, oh, the losses are biblical. And we still don't know what's going to happen with Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ in these last 10 minutes before the trade deadline. But you got to be kidding me for a lot of these teams. This is San Diego. This isn't some gigantic market where the, the cash is pouring in all the time. This is a team that saw its window 
opening in the last couple of years have made moves to augment the lineup, and now you add Soto to the core with Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, this is a group that really believes that it can win a World Series this season. And now they have Soto under control for the next two and a half years, and this is how you compete with the Dodgers if you're the San Diego Padres. So uh, certainly a big move there. We will keep you updated as, again, we head towards this Major League Baseball trade deadline. There's about nine minutes left, so we will definitely be updating you once the trade deadline is passed. We are also taking your calls. Give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Ian is in South Carolina. Ian, what do you have for us on the Dolphins? Uh, yeah, real quick. So I'm a Washington sports fan, but I'm not going to talk nationals. My question kind of you were talking about Dolphins ownership and, you know, tampering and potentially tanking and these investigations going so quickly. Being a Washington football fan, how is Dan Snyder still owning that team and why is that investigation dragging on for so long? Well, that's an excellent question. Now, they have uh, said that the investigation had concluded, right? But we have no transparency in terms of the investigation. Now it's the House Committee that's investigating in terms of the Washington commanders. But a lot of people have questions about Daniel Snyder. A lot of people have that same question that that commander's fan just expressed. How does Daniel Snyder still own this team? Uh, The truth is, Nick, that you don't see teams stripped from owners. It would have been epic if we had seen Stephen Ross actually if they had found in this NFL investigation that Stephen Ross had in fact paid or tried to pay Brian Flores $100,000 per loss had actually taken it that far because that would have been I mean Jeff Darlington said that would have been like a team stripping sort of situation that wasn't what was found as part of this NFL investigation so the NFL doesn't have to deal with that but when it comes to Daniel Snyder, I mean, this is the whole reason that the, the Congress is involved, right? Because there has been such a lack of transparency and absolutely the lack of transparency and the lack of punishment of Daniel Snyder certainly hurts the positioning of the NFL in the Deshaun Watson case as well. It hurts the credibility, Amber. And that's the real problem if you're the NFL. All the decisions that you made prior to Deshaun Watson and prior to whatever is forthcoming with Daniel Snyder and what happens in the House Committee. All of those decisions are why the public as a whole lost trust and and is always wondering how the NFL is going to screw things up. And you mentioned that you don't usually see owners get removed in pro sports. What I would tell you is, remember Donald Sterling. And in the NBA, and I feel like that is why basketball, and specifically Adam Silver, has the public benefit of the doubt. And you don't hear as many issues like this pop up for the NBA compared to all the different PR nightmares the NFL has had over the last few years. But the NFL, and you could make the argument that that maybe should have happened in the NBA, frankly, long before it did. But yes, the NBA has that now on record. The NFL finds itself in a precarious situation, though, when it comes to these owners. Because don't forget, Goodell is, he works for the owner. He is an employee of the owners. And so a lot of people want Roger Goodell to go out and do something against these owners. And of course, He's not going to do something against his bosses. It's an interesting situation. And also one that is affected with the Watson situation, because how far does the NFL want to take this thing? If they end up in federal court, it'll absolutely come up that there's no punishment against these owners, which is embarrassing.